Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in to yet another episode, another edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, as always, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's up, man? Oh, I'm refreshed after a filling uh, holiday break. That's how I'll describe it. It was filling. I got my fill of food, fun, and course some libations as well it was fantastic i like that i like that hopefully you saved enough so we can get you some fill in here on episode 11 of the ball on blast podcast we took a week off but you know it's a holidays you know you need time to to get everything in you know get in the family get in the food the presents if that's your thing you know the nba christmas games Woo! i mean maybe we should start there you know anything off christmas day that stuck out to you webby uh, honestly, the, uh, the, the Sixers beating the Knicks, man. <laughs> Why do I even ask? Why do I, <laughs> <laughs> Why do you ask? It was, it was great. And you know, my dad's, uh, my dad's not the number one NBA hoops fan. He's more of a college ball fan, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, we, we watched the second half together okay. and he was impressed. He likes, uh, Porzingis and he likes Embiid. So they, you know, they remind him of that old school way of uh, uh, of big men play. So he was down with those guys. I don't think he's sold on Simmons, though. <laughs> no, not yet. No, no I can't shoot. He was like, yeah, I can't shoot. No jumper at all. But that's no. all right. That's all right. You know, hopefully they'll figure it out. And hopefully, you know, they won't make it in this week. But next week, maybe they make it back into our turn up, turn down segment which is where we start each and every week on the Ball on Blast podcast. It's always simple. We make a statement, and it's either turn up or turn down. Rules are easy. Turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. So, Webby, we start with this. With Isaiah Thomas back in the lineup, the Cavs are better than last year. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Ooh, from just what we saw in the the one game he's been back, uh, you know what? Even even still, I'm going to have to turn down on this. Okay. Uh, I just think that Kyrie is is such an amazing player, and now in Boston, we're really seeing the breadth of his talent. Uh, I just think that with LeBron and Kyrie on the same team, I think that they were a little better last year. I know the record doesn't indicate that. I think that it didn't quite have the as good a record as they did at this point last season. But I just think that the team is a little better with Kyrie there than with what we're getting from Isaiah so far. And listen, he was very impressive in that first game back, but it is going to take a little while for him to get acclimated to playing with these guys. And all that really matters is if they can be good enough to get through the Eastern Conference again. He's obviously only played the one game, uh, which was against the Trailblazers, put up 17 points and 19 minutes in the win. Didn't play against Boston. Were you kind of let down by that as much as I was? Oh, of course. Like, not only was that game kind of a letdown, I thought the thought the Cavs were going to show a little more fight. But with Love, Hurt, and no Isaiah, it was kind of a, a little bit of a dud. But I definitely would have liked to see IT play in Boston. Yeah. I mean, they were ready. They were ready to give him that video tribute, right? <laughs> yes, which was funny. Which had him going at some fans on Twitter because uh, he actually requested to not have the video tribute because he wasn't going to play, and because he wasn't playing, his family wasn't going to be there to watch it, and he kind of wanted them to all be able to soak up and enjoy, 
you know, just the reception that he was going to get from the crowd. But it, it just seemed kind of weird because they were like celebrating him, but at the same time he wasn't playing. And I didn't really like the way that they brought him back, but they had him just like duck that game, right? Like right. it would have made sense if like maybe that was his first. I know why you wouldn't want to make that his first game back. I, I understand that because the juices might be flowing a little too much, but then just hold him out until Saturday. Right? Like, it was just weird to me that you bring him back the game before and then he doesn't play against Boston. Now, my question is when they go back to Boston, do they go back to Boston this year? They must, right? I, yeah, 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 they do. So, are they going to give him the video tribute when he goes back for his second game in Boston? Yes, I think that is the plan. That's a, all right. I think that's the plan. But still, like, pretty weird. And this is a matchup that we all want to see, right? The, but we want to see it at full strength. We never really got that, but also this was kind of a schedule loss for the Cavs as well, right? Just because they were coming off a back-to-back. Meanwhile, the Celtics were just at home waiting. They hadn't played in a couple of days. So it was one of those games where, you know, you know when they call those schedule games where you can just kind of look ahead and kind of pick out and say, okay, this might be a letdown game here. That was one of those things for the Cavs, I thought, last night in Boston. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. With IT now, we asked a weekly question, Cavs or Celtics, who, who's winning the East? We, I mean, we're under the assumption now that IT is healthy. Who do you think's winning the East? I mean, regular like, season, regular season, because seating's going to matter, right? Like for Ca- the Cavs, oh, it doesn't regular, matter. Oh. For the Cavs, it doesn't matter. But I think for the other teams in the conference, the seating might matter. What happens if I say neither? Ooh, nothing. You're, you can say whatever you like, Webby. <laughs> and just in terms of winning the regular season, yeah, I think that it's still open for the Raptors. Ah, okay. And I really don't think that there is. I mean, look at the Cavs. They've lost what I think five of their last seven now. Yeah, they're they're in a little bit of a dry spell. The the Celtics aren't necessarily winning the uh, close games that they were earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors, I mean, if with DeMar shooting threes, I hate to step on our uh, on our uh, wrap it up segment, but holy, if DeMar is hitting three pointers, why can't the Raptors be the number one seed in the East? Now, that saying that, I don't think that they're still going to be able to beat the Cavs in a seven game series. Yeah, I but mean, winning winning the East, being the top the number one seed, totally feasible. Yeah, I mean, for me, Webby, the thing is, I still think the Cavs are the best team, and I I will turn up on this because I do think that the Cavs are better than last year. The reason I say this is because not so much Isaiah, but I think we forget about Crowder, and clearly it seemed like Boston forgot about Crowder last night because <laughs> there was really no mention, or not much of a mention, of Crowder making his return to Boston, and he was kind of a big deal there too, no? Well, definitely uh, kind of before Isaiah took over, uh, Jay Crowder was a, like kind of a like the star, straw that stirs the drink, you know? Yeah. But then kind of, he kind of started falling in love with his three-point shot. Yeah, it was one of those things, though, but I'm, I'm saying now when you take those two starters and put them on the Cavs roster, like – Minutes that were going to Richard Jefferson last year or Channing Fry last year. Do you know what I mean? Or even Jose Calderon for the first half of the season. You're now replacing that with Isaiah Thomas and possibly Jay Crowder. I mean, just looking at what this Cavs team is now, and I mean, maybe this is an unfair question, but maybe what this Cavs team might add before playoff time as well. 
See, it, that, that, that's the big thing, too. It's like, I think that since like two, three weeks into the season, we've been waiting mm-hmm. for the Cavs to pull one of these deals that they seem to pull every year. Yeah. And that they just have a chance. There's some big names out there that could get moved in the next month or two. And instead of getting kind of a smaller, you know, a smaller name like they have in the past, like they could get somebody who's a pretty big deal. Oh, for sure. And it's so crazy now, especially as they work Tristan Thompson back into the rotation. It could even just be a showcase type thing, right? Where you're trying to package Tristan in that pick. And I mean, just think down the stretch, okay? If the Cavs could have a crunch time five of Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Kevin Love, and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, that's a pretty good lineup. <laughs> yeah. Even if you sub out Wade for a Corver or you... you Come um, on. Well, why are you putting Corver in... And Dwayne Wade in J.R. Smith's spot. True, right? That was the next name. I'm sorry. No disrespect meant to to Mr. J.R. Smith. That's my bad. That's my bad. But you know what I mean? The the point is, though, like that's a pretty solid, you know, fivesome that matches up well to anybody in the NBA. And yes, I also mean Golden State. So yeah, the Cavs, things are going up for the Cavs. And I think now you'll see that, you'll get that opportunity for LeBron to kind of take his foot off the pedal a little bit because he was going hard for a while there, right? Carrying oh, that yeah. team early. And I think now with IT back to carry some of that scoring load and some some of that playmaking mode, right? Like you're literally replacing Jose Calderon with Isaiah Thomas, right? Like that's yeah. pretty crazy. It's a, it's a big step up. <laughs> well, going from IT to Kyrie, that rhymed, and I wasn't even trying to spit bars. But Oh, yeah, like you weren't trying to do that. <laughs> we'll move on to our next turn up, turn down, as we split on the first one, but on the second one. Now, a little preamble here before we get to the actual uh, topic, but Jackie McMullen had a great write-up on Kyrie Irving that came out on ESPN.com earlier this week, and essentially the crux behind it was – Kyrie kind of painting this picture that him moving on from Cleveland wasn't necessarily his fault. Because so far the narrative has been, you know, Kyrie wanted out, he demanded a trade, and that's why we're in the situation we're in now. But in this article, Kyrie says, there's a quote where he says, there's a bit of a misconception of how this all went down. I was traded to Boston. I had no say at all where they sent me. Close quote. So that leads us to our second topic, Webby. Kyrie didn't want to be traded. Turn up or turn down? No, I'm turning down because at the end, he says it all. Like, I did not want to be traded to Boston. (laughs) We know that he wanted to be traded. But but the reason that he wanted to be traded is because the Cavs wanted to trade him. And then after that deal, like, I mean, big shouts to Jackie McMullen. I mean, to still be doing this great reporting that she's always been doing is unbelievable. She's one of the best NBA reporters that's out there. And to get all the information that she did from her sources around Kyrie Irving and the Celtics for this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But we did kind of hear those rumblings that they were shipping Kyrie. Well, they were shopping him, right? Like, those were the rumors. The rumors was that... You know, the trade was at least on the table uh, during the summer, right? It was kind of, uh, what was it, a three-way deal 
that yeah. would have said Indiana and Phoenix, and it would have sent Kyrie to Phoenix, right? Exactly. Kyrie and Channing Fry to the Suns, and Eric Bledsoe and Paul George would have been brought into Cleveland. And yeah. I mean, hey, here's the thing. I'm not going to knock the Cleveland Cavaliers because heading into this season, they're in a very tough position, right? Like you're trying to manage what's going to happen if LeBron leaves. So you're going to try to do everything, any and everything to help LeBron, right? Absolutely. So I'm not going to knock them for sniffing around, you know, making Kyrie Irving, like, you know, seeing just what his value is, right? I'm not going to knock the Cavs for that. They're in a very tough position. The reason why I agree with you here and I'm going to turn down on this Kyrie didn't want to be traded thing was because I think now all he's doing is trying to save face with the Cleveland fans because he's kind of been painted as a bad guy here, which maybe some of that is unfair. But at the end of the day, like you still could have stayed and made this work in Cleveland, right? You still could have made another run to the championship. And then after this year, when LeBron leaves, Figure it out then. You could get traded to Boston then. You, you know what I mean? Like, I understand what's going on, but I feel like this was all just a part of, like, Kyrie trying to save face and not trying to look as bad to the Cleveland faithful or just to, like, the the basketball head that thinks that he was selfish and he left LeBron and he just wanted to be the man and that's why he left. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, that's what... It, that's it, what I'm turning down to- on this. Totally does. And the, the other thing that it, that Kyrie seems to be doing in this article is once again, kind of shifting the blame away from himself and even the Cavs brass and put it on LeBron. Yeah. I mean, saying that, you know, hey, dropping kind of hints, you know, through people close to Kyrie, quote unquote, that LeBron was the one kind of behind the scenes pulling the strings to bring his buddy Eric Bledsoe to the Cavs and just that whole kind of uh, the, the big brother, little brother dynamic that LeBron had with Kyrie and then kind of twisting that against LeBron. It was definitely, it seemed to me like Kyrie was still positioning himself or trying to position himself as the good guy. Like you said, trying not to have people think of him as the bad guy and still kind of place the blame on him leaving on LeBron. Yeah, it's so true, Webby. And you know what? I want to kind of piggyback on something you just brought up. You brought up about Jackie McMullen and just like how great of a reporter she is, right? Like Jackie McMullen, the thing is with some of these articles, right? Sometimes they come out and they end up being so one-sided that it's all just like a complete bias, you know? And so we know that most of this is on Kyrie Irving's side, but that didn't stop Jackie McMullen from getting like some really good stories that don't necessarily paint Kyrie in the best light and some things that we didn't even really know about, right? Like that little story they had about uh, practice that they had one day where Ty Lue was on the sidelines, kind of like trying to get Kyrie to push the ball, go faster, go faster. And Kyrie's response was like, he basically was like, why? And uh, Tyron Lue's response was, well, we got to push the offense and it makes it easier for guys to get their shots. And Kyrie's response was, I can get my shot whenever I want to get my shot. So he was like, he was like, you know who gets the other people involved? LeBron. That's not my, it's not my deal. He's like, you need to talk to that number 23 guy. And it's like, (laughs) hold on. Wait, what? Like that, that to me is a, the brilliance of like great storytelling, right? Because you're actually painting a picture and you're not allow, you're not allowing yourself to just be biased by the fact that you got Kyrie Irving. 
am I making sense here? You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I feel like a lot of writers, you'll get access to Kyrie and then you'll end up painting this story that just puts him in this great light. And the thing that was so good about this and like, you know, we got to like praise great journalism and sports journalism because it's very few and far between, or it seems that way anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she did such a good job of like painting that picture and telling that like, hey, there was some BS going on on Kyrie's side as well towards the end of his run in Cleveland because yeah, I mean, nobody's that, perfect. Well, yeah, that stuff's happening before, obviously, you know, any of that stuff about them trying to trade him. You know, like how can you be Kyrie Irving and you're saying, oh, that's number 23's job, <laughs> right? Like to get the other guys, like it's just, it's showing the tension that was there already, you know, the tension that would lead Kyrie to want to be out of or step out of LeBron James's shadow. So it was a super great read, super interesting, but we both seem to agree as we're both turning down on that story that Kyrie did not want to be traded. Yeah. Call turn away down. That. Uh, next topic in turn up and turn down. Again, turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. So Paul George made his way back to L.A. as the Lakers hosted the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously, the rumors are all over yeah. the place that Paul George is going back to L.A. next year, right? In free agency. Not to play with those jokers. He's not. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so a reporter finds Russell Westbrook, who might be like, my favorite person in the NBA. <laughs> and the question was simply, are you making, how do you feel about making a sales pitch to Paul George this season? And Russell Westbrook's response was, quote, sales pitch is going to be when we win a championship. Beat that pitch. Close <laughs> quote. So Russell Westbrook essentially is telling you that that is his pitch. He's not making a pitch. The pitch is when they win a championship. Hashtag beat that pitch. That should be a thing every time the OKC wins. But, Hashtag beat that pitch. But that brings us to their turned up, turned down question, Webby. Russ's pitch to Paul George. Turn up or turn down? Well, listen, if they can do it, then yeah, I'm turning way up. Will they do it? I got to turn down. <laughs> as, much as, as much as I'd love to see the Thunder win, come on. Do you really think they have what it takes to take down the Warriors or the Rockets? I like Russ's pitch because, you know, Russ is just Russ. You know what I mean? And no matter what, he keeps it 100 and you know what you're getting from Russell Westbrook. And he's also like the subtext here, right, is that Russell Westbrook is saying, I'm not going to like you either want to stay with us, you want to play here or you don't. And I know on the surface that might come off as being a jackass, but let's be real for a second here, right? If you're Paul George and you decide and you're playing right now with the reigning MVP of the NBA, okay? And you decide to leave that situation just to go play with the Lakers, who are a dumpster fire right now. Oh, terrible. Right? And like there's no like who knows what's going on with that team? Luke Walton is being exposed as I always hoped that he would be getting exposed. And yeah. the the young guys aren't really developing as quickly. There's infighting. They're arguing about like who's going to be around next year. They're worried about who's going to get the contract, all that stuff. I mean, there's no even guarantee that LeBron is coming. So if you're Paul George, you're going to leave the reigning MVP to go to LA just to be the guy at home. Like, that seems kind of weird to me. So I'm turning up on Russ's pitch because I like it. It's like, cool, go play with those guys. Enjoy LeVar Ball. 
right? And that circus and all that crap and losing. Or he could stay with us, and at least you're talking we're making playoff runs. So say they win a round or two in the playoffs this year. Does that guarantee that Paul George comes back? No. No. Because I honestly think, like, like I think Paul George should stay in OKC, but I don't think he will stay in OKC. <laughs> That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? Like, he definitely should stay because, again, like, I don't – and obviously he's not going to have this mentality of himself because everyone thinks they're the best player ever, but I think he's more of a Robin than he is a Batman, right? And un- so oh, 100%. Un- so unless LeBron is also going to the Lakers or, you know, you know, there's rumors, I guess, Boogie, but after like those two guys, there's a significant drop off to who else could be joining him in L.A. So, I mean, how good is again, how good is that team? Right. Whereas, again, you know what you're getting from Russell Westbrook. This guy has just been on fuego lately putting up, what, 32-11-10 over his last five games? They've kind of figured it out that Russ has to be, you know, what what was the term you used earlier? The straw that stirs a drink, right? There you go. You just got to unleash the beast with Westbrook. Yeah, and it's funny to hear the the quotes now coming out from both Melo and Paul George saying, like, you know, they need Russ to be Russ, but they're kind of admitting that it's taken them a while to keep up with Russ. Right, because he's playing at a different speed, right? And you kind of <laughs> got to figure out how you fit into that. And another thing I want to bring bring up, Webby, is we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, Billy Donovan and would yeah. he fill, figure some things out? And I kind of think he has. He's kind of opened up his bench a little more. We're starting to see minutes from some other guys that we weren't seeing earlier on. Like what was my guy last night? Ferguson, I think that had those two like breakaway dunks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so we're starting to see some some dudes, you know, that come off their bench and they're they're kind of doing a little more than. It also helps when you're up by forty on the Lakers to open up that bench a bit. For sure, definitely. And you know who was it? I think it was Chauncey. Yeah, last night was an ESPN game, right? And I think yeah. it was those guys at halftime. They were kind of showing how they were starting to run more plays, but the plays involved all of Paul George and Melo, right? So. While Paul George was kind of running around screens, Melo setting the screen and rolling, Russ obviously has the ball. But you're getting your three guys involved as opposed to just having Russ dribbling the ball and those two guys just standing in the corner, right? So it it appears that they're starting to figure it out and things are starting to move. But I want to say this because I need people to listen to this. Their defense is legit. And that will be the real key come playoff time. But do you agree? Do you think they figured it out? Well, I don't know if they figured it out, but I do agree with their defense uh, is is really good. But if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan and you're starting a seven-game series against Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr or, hey, even Dan Tony, uh, Billy Donovan's uh, outmatched. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and those, those coaches, they're really smart. They know the game. You know, the pro game, they know how to win in the playoffs, and they will eat up. They will eat up Billy Donovan. Definitely. I, I will not disagree with that. Uh, yep. So that wraps up our turn up. Wait, wait. Before we do, we got to do one more mini turn up, turn Let's down, do Shelly. Let's do it. I'm in. The new Russ sneakers, turn up or turn down. I don't think I've seen the new Russ sneakers. You haven't seen the new Russ Jordans? No, I have not. Wait, oh, I think, okay. do you know what it is? I think I saw them 
like scrolling on the timeline, but I didn't take them in. That's what it was. Because did they kind of unveil them because he was in LA last night? Was that the move? I think so. I, I think I saw him or yesterday. recently over the break. Oh, I yeah. think I see these now. Not bad. Not bad. I'm the, not... the white and black joints? Ah, yes. I see them now. He wore them in LA and it kind of looks like a, a comic book kind of yeah yeah it. yeah with him with it's him on the uh, on the on those picture yes and it's like a jordan symbol and says just did it yeah yeah no i like those those are pretty cool those are pretty they're cool. not bad they're not bad they need more colorways they need, need a couple more funky colors for me to get really into them i do like the new Kyrie's. yo Kyrie has had a nice he has a nice run of shoes I'll give yeah. Kyrie Irving that, and maybe that has been the biggest benefit of being buddies with LeBron James and Nike. Right? Get that shoe deal. <laughs> that shoe deal's been pretty nice, pretty nice for Mr. Kyrie Irving. But uh, a guy who's looking for his own shoe deal would be Mr. DeMar DeRozan, who yeah. leads us to our Wrap It Up segment, Webby. Now, the Toronto Raptors are still cooking. They are now, what, 26-10 and 10 this season. Their best start in franchise history through 36 games in a season. Dwayne Casey is your coach of the month for December. But again, it comes down to one man and one man only lately. Damar DeRozan. Webby, after 52 points, 35 points, back-to-back games, has Damar taken the leap to being a superstar? Damar three Rosen. <laughs> I hope it's here to stay, man. How long have we been having? It seems like even when we were back at the score, we've been having this same conversation about DeMar. If he can just find his three-point stroke, he could be one of the top. top. He's already one of the top scorers in in, in the league without making a three-pointer. But if he can open it up, find that range, really start knocking down those triples, Oh, man. It, it would take his game, and it would take the Raptors. More important, importantly, it would take the Raptors to a different level because then you're not just putting all of your three-point hopes on Kyle Lowry and C.J. Miles, you know? Oh, definitely. And the most amazing thing that you just said, Webby, was that he's already been one of the top scorers in the league without a three-point shot, which kind of it's makes crazy. no sense. Right? That makes no sense in today's NBA. And yet, that's what he was able to do this year. And now he's just shooting it with confidence. He's made 10 threes over his last two games. Like, DeMar DeRozan hitting five threes in a game. Like, that just it doesn't even seem like real life. Right? That doesn't seem like real life. Imagine going back a couple years ago, and if someone tried to tell you DeMar DeRozan would have back-to-back games where he's hit five three-pointers. Like, what? That's crazy. Listen, uh, we, get, we get hyped up when he'd hit one or two. Yes. Last night, too, he hit one and he sort of ran back doing the mellow, you know, putting the three three point thing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's so good. And it's crazy to think that he already has more threes this season than he's had all of last year. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) It's wild. But the other thing is, too, it's funny that this conversation has started again because it's almost like the rest of the NBA is listening to the Ball on Blast podcast. Okay, okay. Because just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about who is the greatest rapper of all time. Uh-huh. Yes, it's very true. It's very true. And now, and now with the scoring record, mm-hmm. the single-game franchise scoring record, taking the team 
as deep as they've ever gotten into the playoffs, mm-hmm. being a draft pick, never leaving, and being the undisputed leader of this team, even though, listen, Kyle is right up there too, but DeMar is a quiet locker room leader. I, I think you got to say that he's the best Raptor of all time. Do you know what, Webby? When we had this conversation, you were saying that, and I was still on the Vince train. And I have to admit, that what I'm seeing from DeMar DeRozan this season, and I know that ultimately this Raptors team will be judged by what happens in the playoffs. No doubt about that. That still holds true. But what DeMar has done this year in improving his game, not only adding the three-point shot, but he's also averaging five assists per game, which is pretty crazy, right? I'm pretty sure he's either top one or two in the league in terms of shooting guards with assists, right? So what this guy is doing, he's done it again, where he just continues to improve in each and every season that he's played in the NBA. And so, I mean, it's getting harder and harder to pick on anything in this guy's game. And, you know, maybe his defense still lacks, but I think the overall team defense has something that he fits into and he's doing a a much better job than in years past where I think that, you know, they would have to like hide him on defense. I don't think that's a thing that happens nearly as much anymore. He is getting better, but he's still kind of getting torched. He he is, but it's not, it's not as horrible as what I'm saying. Right. right? And like the, the one thing Webby, I don't know if you heard this today, but Alvin Williams came out today. Our boy. Yes. And Alvin Williams said, that he thinks DeMar DeRozan is now the best player in franchise history. I think well, having, having that listen, cosign. Hey, he's a smart guy. He went to Villanova. What can I say? <laughs> right? But I mean, here's a guy that's seen the, the highs and lows of this Toronto Raptors organization, played alongside Vince, obviously as a member of the media is covered and seen DeMar DeRozan's career. Who am I to argue with Alvin Williams? If Alvin Williams is going to tell me that DeMar DeRozan is the best Raptor of all time, I'm going to get, who am I to argue with Alvin Williams? I can't argue with that. It just goes to show me that Alvin Williams is a fan of the Ball on Blast podcast. <laughs> we'll take it, right? Well, we, uh, we also say our, our second home, right, other than Toronto, is what? Philly? Where's Alvin God. Williams from? Hey, listen, he's a, he's a good Philadelphia kid, all right? <laughs> it's, it stayed in the 215 to go to school as well. Remember the Villanova Wildcats. Listen, brings just like Larry too, brings that hard nose style to to the hardcore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but the now, Raptors, well, hold on. Before we, but we we gotta bring up Dwayne Casey again. Yes. Yeah. Because winning this coach of the was a week or the month coach of the month for December. Listen, if the Raptors keep this up, which they totally could, I could see. Now, I don't think Dwayne Casey's gonna win coach of the year. But I could see him being one of the three finalists. My dude, if they finish first in the East, right? Oh, if they finish first in the East, for sure. Because the the other thing too, right? You got to think of the way that the media is going now, right? And I think the media is a lot more like stats heavy and stats driven. And to, to for lack of a better term, the basketball nerds are kind of like taking over, which means like there's a lot more focus on things like you know, point differential and top five defense, top five offense. And, you know, just to see those numbers and how the numbers back up the Raptors completely changing their style of play from one season to the next. And then seeing that growth with the team and, and 
making the leap to win the conference. I think if that happens, Dwayne Casey would have a serious, serious, serious push behind him to win the Coach of the Year award. And it'd be definitely well-deserved because that's a difficult thing to do, to completely change the style of play of your team and, you know, to change the way and to get your guys to buy in, whether it's DeMar, whether it's Kyle, whose shooting numbers are down, like his scoring numbers are down, but the team is still successful, but he's going to be fresher come the end of the year. And, you know, the way that this has worked, you got to give mad credit to Dwayne Casey for getting everyone to buy in. And we've seen him especially kind of living and working in Toronto and following the Raptors, we've seen him go from, you know, a, an okay coach to, I mean, I thought a couple of years ago they should have let him go. Because mm-hmm. I, I think after the Brooklyn series, no, sorry, after the Wizards series, yeah. after they got swept, I thought, listen, Dwayne Casey, we've rode, we've rode this ride as long as we can. I think it's time to get off. But Man, has Masai and the organization stuck with this guy and saw something in him that a lot of the fans, a lot of the writers didn't see, mm-hmm. and it's really paying off. I mean, he knows how to coach this team. He knows the identity of this team, and he knows what it takes to get this team to be really successful. And I tell you, if they do, which they can, I know nobody else is talking about it in the rest of the basketball world, but the Raptors have a chance to win the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And if they do, I think that Dwayne Casey should be coach of the year. So there's there's a flip side to this whole conversation about, you know, how good of a start the Toronto Raptors are up to, Webby. And I'd love to get your take on this because the naysayers will point out that the Raptors are, I think, six and eight versus teams that are above 500. So... Their schedule early on, not that it was easy because there were a lot of like tough road trips and stuff going on early on in the season for the Raps, but definitely you're going to start to see a wave of uh, better competition coming up. But on the on the plus side, a lot of them are home games. So their upcoming schedule, you got Milwaukee on Friday, uh, Brooklyn, then you got a run at home of Miami, Cleveland, and Golden State. So... I mean, that will be a real test for the Raptors to see where they're at. Because I, I, I don't mean, even think that it's about wins and losses. I think it's how you look in these games. And I was really disappointed with the OKC game, not so much because they lost, but how they lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not one for these uh, for these moral victories. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, yeah, the, 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 OK, the Oklahoma City one was, was tough. But they, those... Those Western Conference games, man, those are those are a tough slog. But I'll tell you, you're right. That stretch of Miami, Cleveland, Golden State at home, those will be not only games to watch, that'll be really entertaining, but they'll be like, that'll show you the medal of this team. Yeah, huge game to look forward to, Golden State, and especially that Cleveland game next Thursday to TNT oh, even game. The- for all you Even Raptor the Miami fans. game is going to be good. Yeah, Miami game will be good. That Cleveland game, though, is a TNT game for all those Raptor fans that were crying about not having a Christmas Day game. And Are you that serious? Game. That's a TNT game? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a TNT game next Thursday, that Cleveland Cavaliers game. In um, Toronto or in, in Toronto, right? It's in Toronto, yeah. In Toronto. Okay. Massive, massive game. And, you know, this stretch coming up, like this month, I think it's like a two-week run that the Raptors will have will be a real, real test for them. And we'll get a really good gauge of where do they really stand in the Eastern Conference? Can they compete and, like, 
you know, is it conference finals or bust? You know, I think you'll really start to find out these things. And the one thing I will say about DeMar DeRozan, as great, like, he showed me a lot with that 52-point game, but the thing that I was more impressed with was the fact that how he came out. I think he had, like, 21 in the first quarter. Like, he came out like, okay, I'm a star. This is a big-time game. I'm here. What I want to see from DeMar is I want to see you have that same energy next week when you're facing LeBron. And when you're facing the Warriors, and I'm not saying that he's going to win or that he's better than those guys. I'm just saying, come out with a purpose from yeah. Jump Street. You know what I mean? Yeah, get get a good start. Come out, show out, and, uh, and like I say, that's a that's a tough stretch. It's going to be some good basketball, but uh, a great place to like put yourself on the national stage if you're Demar Derozan and show people all over the world, all over North America, what the Raptors can do. Yes, great times for the Raptors. Uh, there's just one weird story that came out while we were off. Oh, yeah, of course. And I, I totally just, forgot about this. I just wanted to get your take on it because Serge Ibaka was suspended for one game, and there wasn't re- much information that came out surrounding this. And it's one of those times where I wished kind of we were in a different market like New York because we would definitely find out exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Serge Ibaka was suspended as a, the suspension resulted from an altercation between Abaka and a Raptors staff member after the December 27th game in Oklahoma City. So I want to ask you, Web, Webby, like, obviously we don't know. Nothing comes out. And I don't, I don't, I want to say this too. This is not a knock because I understand that most of the people that cover the team are employees of the team. So I understand why, like, you know, it's a little harder for some of these things to get out there. Totally understand that. But if we were going to play a little to steal something from Mr. Lebetard, their reckless speculation game here, who the hell do you think Serge Ibaka was trying to fight? Hopefully Matt Devlin. (laughs) (laughs) Just hopefully. I wrote down because. But I like your, like, because your reckless speculation holds a lot more water than mine. (laughs) And it was the first time I heard this and it got my wheels turning like, Oh boy, I bet that's right. So my thing was, and I sent this text message, like as soon as this happened, because obviously the text messages start blowing up and got multiple chat groups and a bunch of my boys I grew up with, we sent a text message because we're East End guys, right? And yeah. so does, so happens to be another uh, Raptors assistant coach. I'm not sure what his exact title is, but you know, Jamal McGlure, he's an East End dude. He's a big guy. He's, a, he's the big cat. He's a fiery guy. NBA All-Star, Jamal McGlure. Right? Put some respect on his name, right? And it was just funny because we were joking around like, yo, I really hope for Serge's sake he didn't try McGlure because he does not (laughs) want those problems, right? Yo, Serge Ibaka is from the jungles of Africa. And he does not want any part of Scar Breezy. (laughs) He does not want anything from Flemington Park's Jamal (laughs) McGlock, right? You you do not want those problems. It is just funny because, again, we don't know what happened. And we're just joking around through text. And it's just like, I really hope he didn't try Big Jam because, yeah, that is is not a fight you want, Serge Ibaka. It's amazing. But, again... Hopefully at some point we find out what happened, maybe after the season or some time passes. I don't know. If Stack was still assistant coach of the team (laughs) rather than coaching in the G League and this happened, Serge Ibaka would be out for way more than just one day. He'd be out for two 
two weeks of the broken jaw for sure. Yes, for all our young listeners out there that might not be familiar with the resume of Jerry Stackhouse, just just get on YouTube and uh, get, <laughs> as the kids might say, get your Googles up if you want to know yeah, Jerry yo, Stackhouse's resume. Bucks with Jerry Stackhouse, man. <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, the gift that just keeps on giving is the NBA, and one of the the platforms that we find this is on social media, which leads us to our next segment on the Ball on Blast podcast, which is our deep dive into the best things to come across our social media feeds. We like to call it our Feed Me segment. And first thing I'm going to go to here, Webby, is James Harden goes down. The Houston Rockets are kind of struggling to to find out where they're going to get the scoring from. But who do they call? A man we all know and love, Gerald Green who happens to be a Houston native. And how did we find out about this? Because Gerald Green decided to go to his Instagram page and he Instagrammed a picture of the Rockets logo braided into his hair. Again, again, the Rockets logo design braided into his hair. This was sent out on Gerald Green's Instagram page as to show... Just how hype he was that he was going to get a chance to play for his hometown team. Now, Webby, that's some type of dedication, no? Listen, as a man who is uh, follically challenged, as they say, I cannot hate on Gerald Green's uh, decision to get the logo of the team he's playing for uh, braided into his hair. Uh, if I had that kind of hair, the hell I'd do it for the every day of the week. But it got me thinking. Okay. Okay. What would be the most painful logo to have braided into your hair? Because that looked like it hurt. (laughs) Well, the detail in it, and you know, this is obviously a thing that as you're listening to this, just get on your phone and go to Gerald Green's Instagram page, g.green14, and you'll see the picture, or just type into Twitter, Gerald Green hairstyle, it'll come up. But the detail in this that I want to point out, like not only do they have the R, but there's also the halo that goes around the R. Like the detail is, is pretty pristine here. And that takes some skills. I kind of wonder, like remember back in the day, there was a stories how Allen Iverson used to have the hair braider on his payroll. Like, I I wonder if that's the, the, the the swag that Gerald green is working with now. Like if he has the, the hair braider on his entourage, on his payroll, now that he's getting those NBA checks again, right? (laughs) Well, listen, something like that does not take a little bit of time. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, But I'm trying to think, man, if you tried to uh, braid the timber wolf (laughs) into my, into my head from Minnesota, I think I don't know if I'd be able to take the pain. <laughs> Any animal I feel like might be tough, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the pelican? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that would be tough. That would be a tough one for sure. Definitely. But I can't hate. Listen, the guy's got great hair. <laughs> Another guy with great hair, or maybe lack thereof, is Baron Davis. Who oh, sent yo, huge <laughs> shouts to Baron Davis, okay? <laughs> Who's living their best life? Baron Davis is, okay? Baron Davis is living his best life indeed. And how do we know this, Webby? Because our social media feeds, once again, were blessed with pictures from Us Weekly that showed Baron Davis and one actress, Laura Dern. You might know her famously from... Oh, come on. Well, she's in, from, 
if you don't know who Laura Dern is, get your Googles up. But, you know, Goddess. Jurassic Park. I watch Big Little Lies, which I think you should watch, especially. She was fantastic in Big Little Lies. So good in that show. But She was in the new Star Wars. Exactly. That was the next thing I was going to say. Bottom line is, if you don't know who that is, you should. If you don't, get your Googles up and find these pictures of Baron Davis and Laura Dern, who nobody knew were dating, but they appeared to be dating as Us Weekly caught them coming out of the Beverly Hills Hotel, smooching, making out, appearing to come from a date. And this kind of sent the basketball world into a frenzy because it was like the basketball hipster dream of just like NBA couple because it's so left field because these two people, you just didn't really think that their worlds collided, but who doesn't love love, right, Webby? <laughs> a beautiful picture I mean, here. He's even holding her purse while they make it. Yo, listen, as somebody who's in a committed relationship, I am engaged to be married later on this year. I've held my fair share of purses. Sorry, I just got really distracted because TNT's on my TV right now. And yeah. They just showed your man's Baker Mayfield with this girl sitting outside in, in the Clipper game. And he with this girl, he just gave like the lead in, like smooch. I'm like, okay, okay, Baker. How, how does the uh, how does the arm candy look? <laughs> I mean, what would you expect from Baker Mayfield? Listen, Baker. Listen, boomer sooner, man. We know well, Baker. Like, this isn't this isn't football on blast, but man, that was an awesome game. That oh, Oklahoma no. Georgia game was amazing. Amazing game. That game was so good that yes, we are definitely allowed to talk about that game. And shouts to Baker Mayfield. Not mad at him at all. Um, definitely, again, not mad at, at Baron Davis either. I mean, this is this is just a great pull for Baron Davis, and more power to you, Miss Mrs. Dern. Great, more power to you for sure. To no, be- listen, it, it's such a combination of things that I love in life. Uh, uh, a really great cinema yep. and uh, NBA basketball, and putting them together, uh, it, it's it's fantastic. Hey, nothing wrong with that for cuffing season, right? That's right, man. <laughs> One last thing for the Feed Me segment. Something late that came down today was the first returns for fan voting for the NBA All-Star Game. So have you seen this, by the way, Webby? Oh, you bet I have. I've been voting, too. <laughs> so who came in first so far for the fan votes? Well. Listen, I I don't know how many people they got in Milwaukee, <laughs> but they, they're all voting age, man. That's unbelievable. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, leads the NBA in fan voting. And to me, I'm kind of surprised, right? Like you think, you know, you got Steph, you got KD, obviously LeBron. Even if you think LeBron's fading a little, you kind of think there'd be Steph, KD, maybe Russ. But to have it go all the way to, to Giannis, like... That's a major sign of just clout that this kid has now in the NBA, like the step that he's taken in terms of popularity. Were you surprised by that? You know what I was? I was really surprised that it wasn't LeBron or Steph. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's good because, like, listen, the kid, the Greek freak, is he is worth the price of admission and should be the leading vote-getter. But I didn't know that the rest of the NBA were as in-tuned as we are in terms of appreciating this kid's talent and, uh, and the excitement that he brings to the court. You know what, Webby? This reminds me of an interesting conversation I had earlier this week uh, with one of the guys at work, actually. We were talking about, I think it was after DeMar's 50-point game, right? 
52 point game. Pardon me. Don't want to cheat him of his points. Don't want to give him those last two. Right. And the question was, okay, we all know LeBron, cool, but after LeBron, who else is the next best player in the East? Like, where does DeMar rank? Oh, okay. So, uh, LeBron, uh, Giannis, mm-hmm. Kyrie, Joel Embiid. <laughs> you might uh, not say Joel I'm, Embiid and Ben Simmons to wrap up. I'm missing, I'm missing somebody, though, aren't I? Beal, Wall, Kristaps. Chris Stapps, yeah, I might put Chris Stapps up there. But honestly, no, I might take tomorrow over Chris Stapps. Yeah, I, I would too. Here's uh, Horford's really good. but And we've talked about that, just so underrated. Yeah, it's uh, intangibles just, more so than anything, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing a forward though, aren't I? No, I think um, you'd probably be like, because the starters, I'm pretty sure it's Chris Stapps, LeBron, and no, no, hold on, hold on, back that train up. I know that Joel is number three. Yes, it was Joel. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Listen, all the voting I've been doing the last <laughs> two months has got to count for something. I can't cheat you of your votes, Webby. My bad, my bad. No, but it was definitely an interesting conversation just to get a quick gauge of, okay, we're like so into what Damar's doing, but still kind of, let's take a second, let's take a step back. Right. And no, just like, you know, the Bucks are coming. The Bucks oh, yeah. are definitely coming. Listen, but you know what? They've got coaching problems. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they should be a lot better, right? Right. They should but be they, a lot better. I, they, we'll see once Jabari gets back, too, because I hear that's coming soon. Yeah. Then the coaching job becomes even way more difficult because you got to sort out the minutes, right? Because they got right. so many guys with Middleton and so many of those guys that kind of play the same position as like, kind of big guys that can handle the ball yeah so it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of work that out and again you're led by Giannis so most often than not when you're playing anyone else but the Cavs you have the best player on in the series so it'll be interesting times for sure but congrats to Giannis it'll be interesting to see if he can hold on to the top spot in the fan voting in the entire NBA but we will keep you updated on that Um, the next thing that we should update everyone else on Webby comes to us from our ask on blast segment, which is always is just a question that we get from you, the people. And today was a little funny. This one is a little interesting because (laughs) it comes from my buddy, Joe. And are you a fan of Jeopardy Webby? Oh, am I a fan of Jeopardy? I love. I'm a. I'm. Listen, I'm a trivia man at heart. It's okay. uh, one of the skills that I inherited from my dad. Uh, it is genetic, and I'm a trivia master. And I love all things Jeopardy. So, and I got. To, I got some takes. So Joe wants to know what do you make of this Jeopardy contestant and his final question. A song by Coolio from Dangerous Minds goes back in time to become a 1667 John Milton classic. Nick, what is Gangster's Paradise Lost? Yes. And Lisa, I was about to say you have enough money to take the lead away from Nick, but you don't even have to respond to take the lead away from Nick because our judges have reevaluated one of your responses a few moments ago, Nick. You said gangsters instead of gangstas on that song by Coolio. So we take 3,200 away from you. So you are now in second place. Lisa, you have the lead, as you can see. Now this sent 
shockwaves through social media because people were upset that Nick had his $1,600 taken away and he was sent back to second place after this <laughs> happened. So Webby, this also forced Jeopardy to come out and here's their explanation, okay? Their explanation says, they said that although Nick's response of Gangster's Paradise Lost was initially accepted, the hard R sound, which I'll just make a side note, be careful with those hard R sounds, kids. Easy. You're not going to give me that one, Webby? No? No? No, I listen. <laughs> Careful with those hard R's. I'm just saying. See, but, yeah, watch yourself up there, kids. The hard R sound caught the ear of one member of the onstage team who immediately followed up with the quick check. It turns out that, quote, gangsta and gangster are both listed separately in the Oxford English Dictionary each with its own unique definition. So Nick changed not only the song's title, but also its meaning, making his response unacceptable. Webby, what do you make of this? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> listen, listen, this is Jeopardy, okay? This is not uh, some linky-dink game of Trivial Pursuit that you're playing in your, in your parents' basement with a bunch of your friends before you can go out and drink, okay? This is real deal. This is real money on here. And yeah, did I read that the the other contestant brought it to their attention? No. Oh, I didn't catch that. I saw it was uh, one of the. No, no, no. It was one of the judges. It was just one of the judges. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the other judges. Okay, then I really have no problem with this. I don't like the. the, I I think the judges have to catch it. I'm not down here for this this PGA tour nonsense (laughs) where people at home call in and say, Hey, I think Tiger took a drop when he shouldn't. No, no, no. <laughs> you leave it up to the judges, not the people at home or the other competitors, okay? I but, mean, uh, yeah, no, this is Jeopardy. Yeah, it's Gangsta's Paradise. That's how it's listed. <laughs> a stickler for the rules. I just love everything about this because not only do I love the fact that Alex Trebek was forced to explain the difference between gangster <laughs> and gangsta. But also just the fact that, did you know that Gangsta was also in the Oxford English Dictionary? No, no, I didn't. I did not know that. Like, what is going on? Like, you know, What is going on with the Oxford? Listen, it's no Webster's Dictionary, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's amazing. Well played, Webby, well played. And I guess that's a great place for us to end. <laughs> I have no better place than there. <laughs> Oh, man, another great week on the Ball on Blast podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed yourselves. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And you can find me, Andrew Webster, across all social media, putting in uh, Joel Embiid's name with hashtag NBA vote at AWebster84. And as always, we are Ball on Blast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.